I'm really uh, excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Twin Oaks, I'm excited to announce, Twin Oaks is, is uh, going to be um, engaged in a new initiative. Uh, after a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of conversation, um, we have decided to extend uh, the right hand of fellowship to an international church planting movement known as the Timothy Initiative. It's called the Timothy Initiative, TTI. Um, many of you know that before my ministry here in California, I served at a church out in Florida, South Florida, West Palm Beach, at a church called Grace Fellowship. And um, when I first came on staff there, Grace Fellowship was right in the middle of a project called Project India. And the goal of Project India was to plant 2,500 churches in India, okay, 2,500 churches in India, uh, this one local church body. And I, I joined that, that church, about, they were about a year into it, and I thought, this church is insane. <laughs> what were they thinking coming up with that number? Um, and here, here's, here's kind of some of the backstory. You see, Grace Fellowship had a thriving missions uh, ministry in India prior to this. They had connected with a lot of strong, uh, effective, fruitful ministry leaders in India. And at one point, these ministry leaders came to uh, Pastor David Nelms and the team at Grace Fellowship, and they said, you know, you guys are, have been such a, a great support to us, but if you really want to come alongside and support the, the, uh, the Christian church in India, you know what we really need is we really need uh, people to come, come alongside and, and, and provide the resources and the means for our church planters to be trained, our pastors to be trained in the scriptures, trained how to study the Bible, how to communicate the Bible, how to shepherd congregations faithfully. And so... Um, I guess what would happen oftentimes is missionaries would come into some of these villages, especially in the rural areas, and they would preach the gospel, and they'd see some fruit, and some people would be saved, and then the missionaries would move on, and then these, these new Christians would kind of come together in these churches, but again, they'd be led by people who had very little knowledge about the Bible, and what would happen often is, you know, when, when there, were, there were other things that kind of came in, whether it's, you know, certain um, heresies or any kind of division, it was difficult to combat against some of those things. It was very, they had a real difficult time growing and, and multiplying and staying healthy. And so these Indian uh, ministry leaders said, you know, we really need people to come alongside our church planners and our pastors, especially in these rural areas, to provide some means of training. And so uh, the team at Grace Fellowship, the team, uh, and the, the Indian ministry leaders kind of put their heads together and they put together a structure and they put together the right training materials. And what they did was they put together this uh, one-year intensive training program for church planters throughout India and, it was, and they, they'd go through this one year of training, and at the end of that year, they would plant a church. And over this uh, three-year period, they, they, they not only planted 2,500 churches, I think they actually exceeded that. I think it was closer to 3,000 churches were planted in India through this, and planted by men and women who had been equipped and empowered with the knowledge of how to study the Bible, how to communicate the Bible, how to live out the gospel, how, how to shepherd their congregations faithfully. Uh, it's absolutely astounding uh, to see the fruit of what came out of that. Um, as that as that kind of missions endeavor really took off, it really gained traction. The word began to spread more and more people, more and more church planters um, were, were, were begging for this kind of training, begging to be empowered in this way. And so more and more training centers began to pop up all around the country and even into Bangladesh and Nepal and different parts of Asia to the point where this, this missions ministry that, was, that had kind of sprung up out of Grace Fellowship needed to become its own entity, and so it uh, became what's well, known now as the Timothy Initiative. And so many of you know that I went from serving at Grace Fellowship to kind of transitioning into serving 
with TTI, the Timothy Initiative. So I actually was serving under this organization. And uh, um, so Jessica and little Israel and I, he was a baby at the time, we moved out to India for a season. And so we, we lived in India for a little while, and what we did was we would go and we would, um, we would visit these training centers that would happen. They were, these training centers had anywhere between 25 or 30 uh, church planters that would be trained in these, in these centers. And again, they'd be trained for a year, and they'd go out and plant churches. So we'd go and we'd visit these training centers, and we'd encourage the teachers. And we would go, and we would speak at the graduations, and we would go and visit the, the newly planted churches. And I, I can't begin to tell you um, uh, how powerful it, it is and how to see firsthand, to be able to meet these men and women uh, and, and children who came out of um, Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism, and they, and they found Christ. They found Jesus, and they found life and salvation in him person after person after person after person um, who, who came to know Jesus as a personal Savior and grow in him through these newly planted churches. Part of what we did when we were in India was we would, I would travel back and forth between India and Africa because the, the successes that we saw um, all throughout Asia, we, were think, we thought, how can we replicate that in Africa? And so we, we traveled over to Africa. We began meeting with ministry leaders and meeting with prospective church planners. Long story short, um, during, this, during this season, we, we came into contact with um, uh, networks of literally thousands and thousands of men and women in Nigeria and Ethiopia and Kenya and Liberia and Togo and Malawi and Mozambique and Zambia traveled all throughout Africa and met with these uh, networks of church planters, people who desired to be trained and sent out to plant churches. Utterly, uh, utterly insane. And so, uh, you know, long story short, to, to date, TTI has, uh, train, uh, ha- has trained and, and, and planted over 20,000 churches. Over 20,000 churches, uh, and I believe the last number I saw was in 39 different countries. Okay? Amazing the fruit that, that, that they have seen. Again, this isn't, this, please hear me. This isn't just some ministry that I found uh, on Google. Okay? I didn't just Google church plant. Okay? I, I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I, I've, I've sh- shaken the hand. I, I, have, I have been in the churches. I've worshiped with them under trees and, and under, under the night sky because, again, so much, many of these are rural African plains or in, out in Asia somewhere um, in, in these, these rural areas. But, again, they were just people coming together, oftentimes under persecution, um, coming together, and, and they've been empowered and equipped, and they're excited, and, and they're seeing fruit. Unbelievable. To date, literally hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children have come to know Jesus. Hundreds of thousands. And it, and it sprung out of this one local church in Florida that, that Jess and I had the great privilege of being a part of. Um, so you may say, well, what does that have to do with us, the Twin Oaks? Um, well, listen, I, I told you, we, the, the leadership team here at Twin Oaks, we have prayed about this and prayed about this and prayed about this, and we have talked and talked and talked and thought, what would the Lord have us do? And we believe, again, I prayed, I have fasted, I, I believe God is in this. I believe that God is leading Twin Oaks Church to be a part of that. God, God is leading Twin Oaks Church to be a part of something bigger than just this right here. Not that there's anything, you know, unvaluable about what we're doing here. This, we, 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 this is, has incredible value. But, but, but we're here to multiply, right? So we believe uh, that, that God is, is calling us in some way, shape, or form to, to come alongside and to partner with TTI in what they're doing. And so we've expressed the, our interest to the organization. Uh, David Nelms, the president of the organization, uh, got back to us and said, and personally asked Twin Oaks Church, he said, would, would Twin Oaks Church be willing to support uh, the very first training center uh, in Vietnam? 
um, we, we, they, TTI has gained access to Vietnam, and they are um, ready to, to, to launch their first training center. And they've asked, would, would Twin Oaks Church be the, the first to, uh, would, to sponsor a, a training center there? What, th what this would look like is we would raise the funds to help get this training center off the ground and, and running for the, the full year, the full program, the training program, for 25 church planters. At the end of that year, 25 churches will, will be planted. Um, by the way, that's, that's a stipulation. Now, I'll, I won't go into all the details, but you actually, for every church planter who, who joins, the, you actually have to sign a contract. You will plant a church. Because, because look, when they, when they put this structure together, it wasn't about uploading information. It wasn't simply about making men and women smarter. It was about planting churches and planting churches with people who were trained and equipped and empowered to be able to do so um, in a, in a God-honoring, uh, church-edifying way. And so uh, to, we'll, we'll, we'll raise the funds this December uh, to, to get the, the training center off the ground. They'll have their, their year-long uh, program. We'll, we'll be praying for them throughout the year. We'll, we'll be keeping in contact with them throughout the year. Uh, and then God willing, at the end of the training uh, period, we will then send a team out to Vietnam, a short-term mission team, out to Vietnam to go and attend the graduation, be a part of it, go and encourage the church planters and visit the newly planted churches and see what God's doing out there. Okay, that's the vision. Now, to fund a uh, church planter training center for 25 churches to be planted, will cost us $5,000, okay? For some, you're thinking, wow, that's not a lot of money. Uh, and you're right. In, and when you think of it in terms of our, what we, our monthly expenses here for our church, that, that, that's a quarter of what we pay monthly. Our expenses are 20000 a month to operate as a church. $5,000 will plant 25 churches in Vietnam. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's actually not much. Some of you, on the other hand, are thinking, are you kidding, Philip? Look around at us. We're meeting in a community center. <laughs> We are, um, we are, you know, we're 100, maybe, 120 with kids, okay? Look around. How can we go and plant 25 churches in Vietnam when we're hanging by a thread here in San Jose? Um, we, you're right. We are weak. We are frail. And we're not, I'm not going to say otherwise. Uh, and you say, well, how can we do this? How can we do something that monumental? I'll tell you. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Um, this last week on our men's group, we were reading about Gideon in the book of Judges. Remember, remember when, you know, in Gideon's day, the Israelites are being oppressed by the Midianites. And then God goes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I'm going to use you as a, I'm going to use you as a judge. I'm going to use you to deliver the nation of Israel. Remember what Gideon says? He says, me? Are you kidding? Me? How could you use me? I am the weakest man from the weakest tribe of this Piddly nation of Israel that's being oppressed. How could you use me, a weak man from the weakest tribe of the nation? Does God say, no, believe in yourself. You can do it, Gideon. No, he doesn't say that. He says, yeah, you're weak, but I will be with you. That's what he said. He said, I'll be with you. You're not doing this in your power. You're doing it in my power. We need to stop looking at ourselves and look at what God can do. So William Carey, William Carey was a, a missionary in India a lot of years ago, and he said something very famously. He said, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And that's what I'm laying before you, church. Let's do it. Let's step out in faith. Let's attempt great things for God and expect great things from him. His will be done. We'll do our part. May his will be done. Okay? So this is what I lay before you. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our morning talking a, bit, a little bit more about what God is doing globally uh, and how we're going to be a part of it. We actually have the privilege of having the president of TTI here with us today. Um, uh, 
Pastor David Nell, I'm not always going to call him pastor because he'll always be my pastor. Um, I, I'm just incredibly uh, honored that, that he and Loretta would be here today with us. Um, they've come all this way out just to, to, just to talk with us. And um, I, uh, on a very personal note, I'm happy to introduce him to my family um, because, again, David has walked with me through the highest of highs and the very lowest of lows in my life. Um, he has, uh, I, we, my family is where it is. My marriage is what it is today because of God working through this man. Uh, I'm just incredible. There's, it's it's uh, not an overstatement to say that I, I have more respect for this man than any other person on the planet. So I'm very happy to introduce him to you today. Would you welcome, or would you join me in welcoming Dr. David Nelms? Well, my goodness, uh, we are so excited to be here. Uh, I've been just been, I've told Philip last night, been counting the days to come here. I am excited about this church. This is great. Uh, I tell you what, if I lived in San Jose, I know where I'd go to church, okay? Uh, and I, I go all over the world. I think I've been in 65, 70 countries, but I've never been to San Jose until last night, okay? Uh, and I know if I ever come again, I'm bringing a very heavy coat, all right? <laughs> it was hot when we left West Palm yesterday, and we got off that plane. It was like I thought I was in Alaska or something. <laughs> in fact, we flew in on Alaska Airlines, so maybe, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But listen, we are so... Uh, Loretta, would you stand, please? This is my trophy wife right here, okay? <clears throat> uh, Philip, listen, you guys... Y'all, be good to him. You got a great pastor, okay? You really do. You're blessed. Uh, phenomenal worship this morning. Where's Roxy? That little short girl, where is she? I would tell you to stand up, but maybe you already are, okay? <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. Uh, great time. Yeah, okay. Great time of worship this morning. I don't know if I'm getting old or what, but I almost started crying watching all the little kids putting the, the orange. Wasn't that beautiful? It just made me, see, I'm out on the road every week, so it just made me uh, homesick for a church family. And that's what this is. This is a church family. And you know what? Uh, I'm just, just so, so pleased to be here, and we are excited to be able to partner with you guys. Has anyone here ever been to Vietnam? Uh, has ever, anyone ever thought about going or ever wanted to go? Would you raise your hand? All right, I'm signing you up right now, okay? <laughs> you must go with us uh, to see your training center. It's, it's yours, all right? I was just there a couple of months ago. Uh, you guys are going to open the first church planting training center uh, in North, well, it used to be called North Vietnam. Uh, the headquarters is going to be Hanoi. And in that part of the country, there are still thousands of villages, listen to this, that have never had a church of any kind. There has never been, listen, you go back a thousand years, there's never been a church there. Uh, what uh, the most uh, of the Christian activity that you find in Vietnam is in the southern part of, of the country. North Vietnam, up by China, it's just, it's spiritually, it is, a, it is just devastating. You guys aren't just going to plant 25 churches. These guys, we teach them, you're not planting a tree, you're planting an orchard. You're planting a church that plants a church that plants a church that plants a church. You're going to see an incredible amount of fruit there. 
And I want to commend uh, the leadership here. I haven't met all of your elders yet. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I commend you for your vision and your desire to let God, uh, to let God use you. I want you to open your Bibles to, uh, to Matthew chapter 22. And I could talk to you all day. Uh, Philip will tell you that. Uh, he may have to come up here and shut me up in just a minute. But Matthew chapter 22. I want to try to answer a question this morning. <clears throat> and that question is why? Why in the world does your pastor want you to spend all this money to plant churches in a part of the world that realistically many of you will never get to see? Uh, what's the big deal on making disciples of all nations? Why do we send out missionaries? Why do we want to plant churches? Why do we want to have a global uh, mindset? You say, man, we live right here in the middle of tons of people who don't know Christ. Yes, you do. And we need to reach them as much as we need to reach folks in Vietnam. But, but why do we want to send out missionaries? Why do we want to give our money? Most of you probably have too much month left over at the end of the money, if you know what I mean. I mean, you've got plenty of ways to spend your money. So you're already tithing. You're already giving your offerings every week. Why give more? Why all this emphasis on missionary? You know, Philip spent months over in India and Africa. Why would he do such a thing? Why, why this emphasis on planting churches? Um, when I was a little kid or a young kid, teenager, I had a pastor, and that pastor uh, was my mentor. Here's what he used to say to me over and over again. He'd say, David, God is more concerned about why you do what you do than he is with what you do. See, I was doing the right things uh, outwardly, uh, legally, legalistically. This, this guy's pretty sharp. He said, God is more concerned about why, why you do what you do than he is with what you do. And the older I've become, the more uh, wisdom I've seen in that statement. By the way, you find that principle all through the Bible. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God sent uh, Samuel to ordain the new king of Israel? And he said, I want the young kid, the little kid, David. And Samuel said, he's just a little kid. Uh, as Philip was saying, we're not very big, we're not very strong. Do you remember what God said? God said, man looks on the outward appearance. But God looks on the what? The heart. It's, it's not what you do, but why you do it. What's in your heart? Do you remember when we get to the New Testament, Paul was talking about the church family coming together to give their offerings. And he made this statement in 2 Corinthians 9. He said God loves a, what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. Giving is what we do. But the cheerfulness behind the giving, that's the motive. It's why we do what we do. God loves a cheerful giver. Now me, I love any kind of giver, okay? Uh, grumpy givers, grouchy givers, it doesn't matter to me. But God loves a, I'm joking, uh, halfway. God loves a, God loves a cheerful giver. God is more concerned about why, why you guys reach out to Vietnam than he is about the fact that you're reaching out to Vietnam. Now, why do we plant churches? Why do we send up missionaries? Why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we share Christ with everything that moves? I want to answer that question this morning. Look at chapter 22 of Matthew, verse 35. Look at verse 35. There was this lawyer that walked up to Jesus one day. And I got a bunch of lawyer jokes, but I won't, I won't bother you with them this morning, okay? Uh, this lawyer walked up to Jesus with a question kind of testing him. And here's the question in verse 36. He said, teacher, rabbi, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, the law there is referring to what you and I would call the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament in that day. 
And you got to understand the background. In that day, there was this debate going back and forth between the, the leaders, the religious leaders. They were trying to uh, determine which was the most important of the commands of what we would call the Old Testament. You see, if you start in Genesis 1 and write down every time God commands us to do something, when you get to Malachi 4, the end of the Old Testament, the end of the law, you, and then you count all the commands up, you'll come up with about 610, I think it's about 613 commandments, direct commandments of the Old Testament. So one day one of the rabbis said, hey, I think the most important of all is this one right here. And another one said, no, 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 it's this one over here. And another one said, no, 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 you're both wrong. It's this one right here. So Jesus was this young rabbi. He was kind of taking the nation by storm. He was different. When he spoke, oh, he spoke with authority. Nobody had ever spoken like him. And he walks on water. Now, that's kind of difficult to do. And he, he like, opens blind eyes. He raises the dead. He scares the devil out of the devil. He just, he terrorized demons. He's like, nobody was like him. So this young rabbi's come to town, and so this lawyer thinks, I'll get the young rabbi's opinion. So he asks, rabbi, teacher, master, what do you think? What's your opinion? What is the most important of all the commandments of the law? And you know what he said? Look what Jesus said. There seemed to be no hesitation out of his mouth. He said to him, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great in the first commandment. No hesitation. Jesus said the most important thing you can do is to love God with all your heart. Do you know why we sent out missionaries? Do you know why we want to make an impact on Vietnam? We love God. It's what He wants. Yesterday while we were flying here, we went to Atlanta and then L.A. and then here, San Jose. I was with my wife and and I asked her, I said, darling, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, oh, nothing. And if you're newly married, if your wife says, oh, nothing, she does not really mean that, okay? <laughs> That's not what she really means. Anyway, I figured out what I'm going to get her, okay? Now, I'm not going to get her what I know she doesn't want. I'm going to get her what I know she does want. You say, how come, David? Because I love her. If today after church I say, darling, would you like to go out to eat? She'll say yes. And if I'll say, I'll say, where do you want to go? She'll say, I don't care. You decide. So I say, okay, then we're going to McDonald's. All right? <laughs> and she'll say, I don't want to go to McDonald's. And I'll say, well, I asked you what you told me to decide, so I decided. And we'll fight and get big, mad at each other and go back to the motel and not eat. Amen? And uh, watch the 49ers beat the Seahawks. And so, <laughs> amen? So, no, if she wants to go to Burger King, I'll take her to Burger King. If she wants to go to Sonoma, Sonoma, chicken, whatever it is, uh, that's where we'll go. Why? Because that's where she wants to go. I love her. I want to give her what she wants. Do you know what your God, what your Father in heaven wants? He wants every person on the face of the earth to hear about his love, to hear that God so loved the world. He gave his one and only. That whosoever, that's red, yellow, black, white, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he wants. Have you ever read the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9? 
You ought to go home and look at it because you're in that verse. It's your destiny if you're a Christ follower. The Bible says the day is coming where, there, where we will all find ourselves at the feet, the nail-pierced feet of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to all find ourselves there at His feet worshiping Him. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing His praise than when we first begun. And maybe after about 10 or 20,000 years, we're going to look around and we're going to notice, hey, I'm not alone here. There's others here with me worshiping my Lord. And suddenly we're going to notice there are people that don't look like us. We're going to notice there are people there from Vietnam. There are people there from the mountains and the hills of Vietnam. And there are people, uh, tribal people from southern China that are there. And from Laos and Cambodia and from Thailand. Uh, the, all these different tribal peoples are there. And they're going, to be, they're going to be worshiping Him in their own language. They're going to look different. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be there from every tribe and every language and every nation, the Bible says. And if you look at that verse, Revelation 5, 9, the word nation is the word we get our English word ethnicity from. When the Bible speaks of nations there, it's not talking about nations like China or India or Mexico or Canada. It's talking about people groups, family groups of people. There will be someone there at his feet worshiping him from every single tribal family group in the entire nation of Vietnam and every other nation in the world. And you know how they're going to get there? How can they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach except they be sent? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news. Romans 10. You know how they're going to get there? People like you and I are going to tell them. We're either going to give and pray or we're going to go. But either way, we have a part together in getting the gospel out to the world. Do you know why your pastor wants to do what he just announced to you? I tell you why. He loves God. He knows that's what God wants. That's why we do what we do. Uh, in India, India is the largest uh, Mus or Hindu nation in the world and the second largest Muslim country in the world, population-wise. Uh, there's one billion people there that are either Hindus or Muslims out of 1.1, 1.2 billion. And if you know anything about Hinduism, they worship millions of gods. I don't know if, if they know how many. I was flying across Nepal the other day, and I was sitting next to a guy, and I was trying to share Christ with him. And I told him, my God, he said, who is your God? I said, Jesus. He said, I have many gods. He said, the seat in front of me is God. The, air, the, the, the seat, I said, that seat is not God. That seat is a seat. He said, no, 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 that seat is God. And then, and then he looked at me, and he said, and for that matter, you're God. Uh, I said, buddy, hear me. I'm a lot of things, but I am not God. And you better be glad I'm not God, okay? But he thought I was God. He thought the seat was God. He thought the floor was God. And, and there's just millions and millions of gods. And I once walked by this one temple, not a whole lot bigger than this, this front area here. And it was a temple where they worshiped snakes. There's a mound of dirt there. And down beneath the dirt, the ground, there are snakes that live. And in the morning, the priest will bring out a, a white a, a platter of white-looking liquid. It looks like milk to me. And he lays it on the ground, and the snakes slither out of their holes, and they, they kind of slither around the, 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 the liquid. And then they go back down, and they slither back away, disappear into the dirt, the, the ground. And while they're doing that, people gather, and some just watch, and some pray, and some chant. And occasionally, you'll see some falling on their faces and worshiping. Well, time goes by. 
they've been doing that for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Time goes by and a little church planter moves into the neighborhood. And he stands out on the street and he starts telling people about Jesus. People don't listen to him. Some people yell at him and scream. Occasionally some will spit at him and some will even take their hands and slap him across the face. But as he faithfully continues standing there sharing Christ, soon a handful, two, three, four, five, listen. And their, their, their hearts are like good soil. And the word of God takes root. And a fruit is produced. They give their hearts to Christ. And soon some of those who had been worshiping the serpent at that temple are now worshiping the one who with his precious, divine, almighty heel crushed the head of the serpent. That is why we do what we do. We love God. Say it with me together. We love God. That's why we send out missionaries. That's why we plant churches. That's why we pray and we give and we go and we share Christ because we know that's what he wants us to do and we love him. What's the second reason we do what we do? In my mind, I don't know if it happened this way, but I can see the lawyer walking away. He got his answer. And so I think Jesus must have said to him, uh, wait a minute, counselor. I'm not done with you yet. You wanted to know the greatest of all the commandments, and I told you. But look at verse 39. He said, there's a second that's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you understand what Jesus is saying there? Jesus said, I told you the, number, the commandment that's number one. He said, but there's another one that's number two that's like it. The first commandment is love God with all your heart. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know why we do what we do? First of all, we love God. Secondly, we love people. We love Him. We love them. Because we care about people, we want them to, to experience God. Because we care about people, we want them to have food in their stomachs. We want them to have clothes on their body. We want them to have clean water to drink. Because we care about people, because we love people, if they're little orphans, we want them to have a mommy and a daddy. You know, I was thinking as I was watching you put the ornaments on the trees today, there are millions of little children all over the world. They don't have a mom or a dad. I was watching some of you guys picking up your little ones and letting them hang up the, the little uh, decorations there high. There are so many little children across the world, they don't have a mom, they don't have a dad to pick them up. Because we care about people, we want them to have, we want them to have their sins forgiven. We want them to have God living inside of them. We want them to have a reason for life. We want them to understand life is more than just getting up and working all day to make money to buy food so you can have enough strength to get up the next day and work all day again. We want them to have eternal life. We want them to go to heaven. We want them to know God. We want them to have the joy of, of being able to talk to God and hear God and worship God. Why do we do what we do? We love Him. We love them. That's why we do what we do. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to show you some pictures here. Uh, Paul, could we have the first picture up? And these, uh, like Philip, I didn't, I didn't just go online and find these pictures. These are, uh, uh, these are out of our ministry. These are a group of people that had been Muslims. It, it, they live in Ethiopia, a part of the country called Langano. It's what we call a tree church for obvious reasons. 
the church planter is a guy in the blue in the top left-hand corner over there. These folks had all been followers of Islam, as had their parents and their parents and theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs as far back as you can go. Church planter comes to town, or not even town, just out in the middle of nowhere, and now they're worshiping Jesus. That's why we do what we do. Jesus died for them. He loves them. He wants them to know him. Look at the next picture. Here's a... uh, uh, Ethiopia again. Philip, you know Burhanu. Uh, That man was put in prison years ago for preaching the gospel, had his church confiscated. He and his wife were put in prison for Christ. Uh, The lady that signed the order to put him and his wife in prison is that lady right there. He got out of prison, started training young Timothys to plant churches. And one of the young Timothys led that lady to the Lord. And now he is baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the lady that put him and his wife in prison. Now that's a wonderful story of grace, amen? That's why we do. Uh, Berhanu's not mad at that woman. He loves that woman. He cares for her soul. Look at the next picture. This is a wheelchair church, a, a, a handicapped church in Sierra Leone. Remember that movie, Blood Diamonds? Uh, they cut every the limb. It's a tough place, a difficult place here early on. The, the Timothy, the student, was handicapped. He had a burden for other handicapped people. So he started a church for crippled people in Sierra Leone. A cripple in Sierra Leone is as valuable to God, is as, is, he's, he or she is worth as much to God as I, as I am, ladies and gentlemen, and you. Look at the next picture. Here's a riverbed church in Kenya. The day we were there, uh, on that road to Mombasa, Philip, from uh, Nairobi to Mombasa, uh, the day we were there, uh, one of these, in, in Kenya, the sand harvesters are known as thugs. They're like thugs, okay? The day we were there, one of them stood up, and he said, before this church was started here, he said, I used to rob people going through here in the middle of the night. He said, in this very riverbed, he said, I used to kill people. He said, but now that I know Jesus, he said, I don't kill people anymore. You know, I've heard a lot of testimonies. I've never heard one quite like that, okay? Uh, but anyway, that's, that's, and by the way, all, everyone here is a man. It's the only, uh, I used to say it's the only male church I'd ever been in this past uh, Thursday night down in the Dominican Republic just three days ago. I was in another church. It was all male, about 50. But other than that one, this is the only all-male church I've ever been in. Look at the next picture. Uh, here's a, a hillside church in Kenya. If you look about three kilometers that way, you're looking at Somalia, one of the most difficult places in the world. The, a, a tree church again. Behind that row of trees, there was a little village where there had never, ever been a church of any kind. Now the whole village practically has come to Christ. Look at the next picture. Here's a, uh, a, an alley church in Nairobi. Very poor people. They live in a slum, and they just meet between two walls here to keep the sun off of them as they worship. They have no money. They have nothing. Oh, but they got Jesus now. Look at the next picture. Here's a, a deaf church in Ethiopia. We've started many of them. Look at the next picture. Here is a uh, hillside church somewhere in Asia, North Asia. Look at the next picture, Buddhist. Here's a hut church in Uganda. The pastor of this church, the Timothy, had been a Muslim. His wife was a Muslim. A young Timothy church planter led her to Christ. She said, I will pray my husband into the kingdom. She was afraid to tell him what happened. She was afraid he would hit her, beat her. And so she said, I will just pray my husband into the kingdom. She, all she did was pray. 
and her husband came into, the, into, into faith and he became a TTI student. The former Muslim planted that church. Those are the, the believers that he's reached in the area. Look, that's why we do what we do. And millions just like that across Vietnam. Did you know Vietnam has 90 million people? 88 million of them have no idea who Jesus is. 88 million. Look at the next picture. Here's a, uh, we go, we work in many difficult areas. This is the Congo. The guy hanging dead in the tree is the same guy up in the corner of the picture, one of our students. He was beaten, robbed, stripped, killed, and they left him hanging in a tree. That's his family, his wife and his three children right there. Uh, the same thing happens in Vietnam. There's a lot, they're still in the rural areas. They're still, it, it can get a little, it can get a little uh, difficult sometimes. Look at the next picture. Here's a little orphan named Junior, four years old. No mom, no dad. Uh, he had malaria, malnutrition, and rectal prolapse. Uh, rectal prolapse is when you're going to the, the bathroom. Your insides uh, come out with the waste. Four years old. Can you imagine a little four? Some of you have a four-year-old child. Can you imagine your four-year-old just wandering the street, sick, nothing to eat, and malaria? Have you ever known anyone with malaria? It is a horrible way to die. It's just a horrible way to die. And you know, you, about $5 worth of medicine will, will cure you of malaria, but he doesn't have $5. Well, our, our students, we, we train them to, to bring in orphans. Look at the next picture. Uh, here's one of our uh, students, uh, one of our staff, Gideon, TTI staff, and his wife. And these are their two children. That's the same little orphan boy, Junior. He's no longer an orphan. He, he now has a home, he has a brother, and he has a sister. And they told me these two boys are just inseparable. They do everything together. He no longer has malaria, no more malnutrition, no more rectal prolapse. He's in school now, studying in his Luo language, and he can do his numbers and his letters in English, and he's as happy as he can be. And I believe when the angels look down from heaven, I believe they begin to flap their wings. Amen? I believe they get excited when they see that. That little boy means the world to Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus, when, when Jesus was on the cross, that kid was on his mind, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, one out of three of our church planters in Africa have brought orphans into their homes. We're talking about, we're going to reach thousands of them in Vietnam. Look at the next picture. Here's a one rural village church, one children's ministry of one village church in Rwanda. At least half of those children are orphans and HIV positive. That's one village children's ministry. We have now, Philip, 24,000 churches that have been planted, and that's one of them, the children's ministry. Look at the next picture. Here's a, again, Rwanda. Uh, that lady in the blue and the two guys to her left were students. Uh, that lady, her parents were killed, her husband was killed, her children were slaughtered. During the, the tribal war there, in, remember Hotel Rwanda? She was part of that. She fled for her life, got saved out in the bush, became a TTI student, and along with these two men, she came back to the village where her entire family was slaughtered. She forgave them all. They started a church. The people behind there are some of the same ones that slaughtered her children, but she has forgiven them. Look at the next picture. Here's a, a tree church. The lady on the far right is a prostitute or was a prostitute. 
homeless people, alcoholics. The thing that's interesting about this picture is this is not Asian, this is not Africa, this is West Palm Beach. Um, we've started dozens of these, same, same thing we do overseas, we're now doing it in the United States. Driving in this morning to your church, I was literally salivating just looking at your area. Uh, Philip, we could, we could do this a thousand times in this valley right here. Look at the next picture. Here's a, 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 one, a church in one, vi one village in Africa. Immediately it grew into hundreds of people and started several other churches. Look at the next picture. Here's a, a, a hillside church in Nepal. I love this. This is a church. Look at them. These are our brothers and sisters. They're up in the Himalayas. And they're, they're, they're worshiping God, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Look at the little child on the back of that lady there. Look at them worshiping our Lord. They don't have a building and they don't have instruments. Oh, but they're, they, they're our brothers and they're our sisters. Why do we do what we do? We love people. Look at them. They've been Buddhist all their life. Look at them. That's why we, by the way, Vietnam's primarily Buddhist. That's why we do what we do. Look at the next picture. Here's a, this guy was a Muslim. I won't tell you the story, but we're out of time. But long story short, he, uh, he, he was sick and he, he, the imams couldn't help him. And his wife said, there's this Christian that's come to town, planted a church. I've heard Christians will pray for you for healing. And she said, I'm going to invite him into our home to pray for you. And the, that man said, he was a devout Muslim. He said, no. He said, a Christian will never enter our home. He will defile this place. You cannot invite him in. Well, she did what most wives do. She paid no attention to her husband, okay? I mean, nothing. She, you know, why do we even bother saying anything, guys? She said, no. And, and on her own, she invited him in. He, the pastor prayed for this guy. He got saved. And here's his testimony. I memorized it. Here's what he said. Listen to this. This will bless you. He said, Isa, that's Jesus. He said, Isa is incomparable. He said, Isa is more than a prophet. He said, Isa is the son of the living God. He is Lord of heaven and he's Lord of earth. And he said, I will worship Isa to the day I die. He's now a Timothy studying how to plant churches. Amen. Isn't that great? Look at the next picture. Same little village, same church. That's their little church, their little shed. This guy was not a Muslim. He was an idol worshiper. And he had a little boy who was paralyzed. And he went to the priest, idol priest. They couldn't help him. He said, I'm going to go to that church. Things are happening there. And the priest said, the day you walk foot under that roof, you will die. So he was afraid. He's laying there in, on the floor one night trying to sleep. His little boy's next to him. And he could hear the Christians singing. There's no walls there. I mean, the music went everywhere. And he thought, what have I got to lose? You know, kind of why sit we here until we die? He picked up his little boy, ran to that, under that shed, and the brothers and sisters gathered around him, and they began praying for that little boy. And I'm going to tell you his testimony. He said, nothing happened. He said, I was hoping God would work a miracle. He said, but nothing happened. My child stayed sick. He said, but as I'm walking my child, carry my child home that night to lay him on the floor to go to bed, he, he, said, I, he said, my heart was just, was just warmed. He said, he said, the fact that people cared for my child, the fact that they would pray for my child. He said, on the way home, I told, he, he said, I told Jesus, he said, Jesus, whether you ever see fit to heal my son or not, I'm yours. I'm going to live for you from this day forward. He said the next morning when he woke up, his little boy could move his leg about an inch. And he said by the time the week before the week was over, he said my little boy was outside running up and down the streets with the other children in the neighborhood. He is now a TTI student studying to plant a church. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If it was your seven-year-old boy 
six-year-old boy, and he was paralyzed, and he had no medicine and no health care and, and no doctors and no nothing, and there's nothing you could do. Uh, imagine the grief in your heart. Listen, why, that man matters to Jesus Christ. His little boy is important. Why do we do what we do? We love God. We love people. Say it with me. We love God. We love people. That's why we do what we do. Look at the next picture. Here's a, uh, uh, an outdoor church in some village in who knows where in Africa. It's not even a tree church. They just meet out in the middle of, of, the, of the compound there. And by the way, they have no chairs. They have to bring their own chairs from their houses. We call it a BYOC church. Bring your own chair, okay? And it's a lot cheaper too, I might add. But the, the whole village, we're having now village after village where the entire village is converting to Jesus Christ. Look at the next picture. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that one because I'm almost done. Just keep it there if you would for a second. Why do we do what we do? We love God. Why do we do what we do? Why plant churches? Why care about Vietnam? We love Him. We love them. There's a final reason. You know why we do what we do? He told us to. You probably missed it. Look back at verse 36. You'll see the word commandment. And look at verse 38. You'll see the word commandment. And look at verse 40. You'll see the word commandments. Let me give you a little uh, secret of studying the Bible. Whenever you're studying a text and you see the same word repeated over and over again, it's a key word. It's there for a reason. Did you know loving God and loving people, it's not a... It's not a uh, it's not an option. It's not optional. It's a commandment. You know how we send the gospel out to the whole world? Because no less than five times we have in our New Testament what we call the Great Commission. Can I summarize the Great Commission? If you put them all together, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and Acts 1. If you put them all together, here's what it says. Hey, get up off your rear end, get out there, and tell the whole world that I love them, that I shed my blood for them, I rose again, and through faith in my name, they can have their sins forgiven. It's not a request. Whether you read the Great Commission in Matthew or Acts or Mark or Luke or John, you'll not find the word please. There's no please in the Great Commission. It is a commandment. Why do we do what we do? We love Him. We love them. He told us to. He's our Lord. I will never forget the grief that swept over my soul. I was in a little God-forsaken village in India. I will never forget it. I pray I never forget it. I was in that village, and I saw the old men sitting there and the old ladies. I saw the young mothers with their babies. I saw the farmer, the, the young guys out in the fields working in the rice paddies. I saw little children running around playing with sticks and whatever they could find to play with. And suddenly it dawned on me. I already knew it as an intellectual fact, but somehow it moved from my head to my heart. I'm so glad it did. Finally, it dawned on me, these people are not rejecting Jesus. These people don't know who Jesus is. They have never heard about Jesus. They don't know who he is. Did you know there are 200,000 villages in India right now this morning where there has never been a church of any kind? If you go next door to India's neighbor, China, you put those two nations together, two and a half billion people, over two billion of them, have, that's one-third of the world. They have no idea who he is. I once drove across Bangladesh from morning till night, from dawn till dusk, 
And I went through village after village after village, and I saw mosques, and I saw temples, but I never saw a church of any kind. And as I went through the villages, the road's not a whole lot wider than this little highway right here. You can see the little shops on either side of the road. And in those shops, there were Coca-Cola and Pepsi and Fanta Orange and uh, 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 Snickers and M&Ms and Nestle and Nabisco products. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me that the American businessman, the American businesswoman, has been able to penetrate that culture for the love of money, for the love of the bottom line, but for some reason, the church of Jesus Christ has not been able to penetrate that culture for the love of God and for the love of people. What is the problem? Why? Philip, if I ever come back, I'm going to preach part two. Why not? Why have we not done what he told us to do? Is the problem manpower? Believe me, that's not the problem. Is the problem systems or technology? You of all people should know that's not the problem. What is the problem? I'll tell you what I think it is. Our priorities. Jesus said, but seek what? First. My kingdom. My righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. First. See, I think the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is our priorities. For lack of them. There's a statement I want to make in closing. I'm going to tell you the story of that verse. Salvation is free. It's by grace. But discipleship. Discipleship should cost us everything. Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? Here's how you do it. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Then come. Follow me. He said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Salvation's free. Discipleship. There's a cost there. This picture, if it had been taken back in January of this year, there was a man in the picture, one of our students. His name was Ganesh. Ganesh is the Hindu god of prosperity, the big elephant god. Uh, he was born and raised a Hindu. He accepted Christ, became a TTI student. Stepped outside of that house one day to preach in his gospel and the villagers gathered around him and they, they began beating him and they beat him to death. He was martyred. I was in a, with a pastor the other day in India. He's had three of his members martyred this year. One of them, a 20-year-old girl, beat to death. That little boy's daddy was martyred, Ganesh. That was February of this year. In March of this year, that woman, one month later, his mother, the wife, the widow of Ganesh, arose early in the morning when it was still dark. She went out in the forest to gather sticks to make a fire to cook breakfast for her little boy. While she was out in the, in the forest gathering the sticks, the sun's not even up yet, there was a rogue elephant there. The elephant, Ganesh, saw her, charged her, trampled her to death. In January or February, he lost his daddy. In March, he lost his mama. That's this year. Some of our TTI guys, you know David Burrow, came to town, took the little boy, placed him in a Christian home. Some of our students. Left behind two church planters in that house. They prayed over that house, dedicated it as a, as a preaching point, as a house of prayer for that village. Left two church planters behind. That was March of this year, Palm Sunday. 
I've not heard from them. I don't even know if they're still there or still alive. My point in showing you this picture is this. There is a cost. Thank God there are many people around this world who are willing to pay that cost. You say, David, $5,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But it's nothing compared to what people all over this world are going through. I talked to a guy the other day. Here's what he told me. He said, uh, he showed me a, a legal document his father had written him. His father was a Muslim and he accepted Christ, became a TTI church planner. His father disowned him. Had a legal document drawn up and said, you're, you're no longer my son. As far as I'm concerned, you're dead. You never come back to our house again. You'll never inherit a penny from me. You're no longer my son. Through tears, he said, my earthly father has forsaken me. He said, but I know my heavenly father will never forsake me. He said, I can't sleep in the same place every night. People are trying to kill me. He said, I sleep in a different place every night. I said, why are people trying to kill you? What did you do? He said, I've led 110 Muslim families to Jesus Christ. 110. He said, I can't sleep in the same place. I thought of that verse Jesus said, the animals have nests or holes in the ground. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Here's a man that, that, that can't even sleep in the same room two nights in a row because people are trying to kill him. Thank God there are some people that get it. Why do we do what we do? Why do we want to plant churches in Vietnam? Why do we want to send out missionaries? Why give? Why pray? Why go? Let me tell you why. We love God. We love people. He told us to. Would you say it with me together? We love God. We love people. He told us to. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I want to thank you for Philip and Jessica, their precious children. I want to thank you for the precious children of this church. Every little baby, every little boy, every little girl, every man and every woman. I thank you, Father, that I can sense your spirit here in this place. I thank you that I'm, I found myself in the middle of people that are true worshipers, that worship you in spirit and in truth. I thank you for the burden, the, the vision, the, the desire to get the gospel out around the world. Father, I ask your blessings upon this place. Lord, you told us, given it shall be given. I believe that doesn't just apply to people. I believe it applies to your church. Lord, I pray as these folks become more and more concerned and more and more burdened about the loss of this world, I pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon this place that they never dreamed possible. Thank you for the privilege, the honor to partner with these folks in getting your gospel out around the world. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.
song to be sung to the nations that shall lift their hearts to the Lord. A song that shall conquer evil, shatter the spear and sword, spear and sword. like to invite the ushers to come forward as we take our morning offering. Um, thank you so much, Pastor. Um, if, who's in? Anybody in? <laughs> All right. Um, listen, if, if you're interested in, in supporting our partnership with TTI, you can do that today. We're going to start that today.
Um, uh, we're, we're also using this as our, our My First Christmas gift uh, for this year. If you're new to the church, what we do is each year at our Christmas Eve service, uh, we, we take an offering for a unique ministry or outreach. This year, it's going to be TTI. Um, however, we're not just going to do it on, on, on the Christmas Eve service. We're going to, the next few weeks, we'll allow you the chance to give to that as well. Here's what, one thing I'd ask you, though. Um, would you, if you, if you choose to give towards TTI, would you consider doing that above and beyond your regular um, offerings? Um, we, there is much work to be done here in San Jose, isn't there? You know, we t- Pastor David mentioned it. It's, there is a, a tremendous amount of people who have not heard uh, the message of Jesus Christ all over the world, but right here in our very own city, 95% or so, somewhere some around there, about 95% of people um, don't actively follow Christ right now, haven't found new life and salvation in him. And so uh, we exist as a church to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, but also to right here to our very own city. Um, so would you continue giving towards the church here? But if you would like to give above and beyond um, towards TTI, what you're going to do is just, just write TTI on the checks. Or if you want to give online, you just pull down the little tab there and click other, and then write in the comment section, write TTI. Um, and let me also just say this. You, you might be new here today. You might have no idea what in the world we're talking about. Um, you know, we're talking about spreading the message of Jesus again. Well, what is the message of Jesus? And David alluded to it a lot today. If you have questions about who Jesus is and what he has done and why we come here every single week and we celebrate him and why we pull our resource together so that other people can hear about him. If you have questions, I really do hope that you would come and you talk with me, with Pastor David, with Roxy or with Joe, um, the other people that would be up here. We'll, we'll be here to answer your questions, to talk with you or to pray with you. The bottom line is this. Jesus is God in the flesh. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died and now we get the reward that he deserves. We have access to God through Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we celebrate that and we live in that. Um, let, me, let me pray for us as we, as we take our offering this morning. Father, we do thank you so much for uh, sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that our, our, our sins might be done away with forever, that we might have access to you and be able to have new life in you. God, I pray that every single person uh, who is in this room recognizes right here and now, Lord, how much you love them. And you didn't just say that you loved us, you proved it. You demonstrated on the cross that um, while we were still sinners, you died for us. So, God, we just thank you. I pray, Lord, that, that you would make that clear to every single person in this room. I do pray, God, that you would um, encourage us and challenge us to reach outside of ourselves and give extravagantly, that we would um, give great, uh, generously and act courageously in our efforts to bring glory to your name in the city and beyond. Father, I thank you so much for what you've chosen to do through TTI. I know it's not just through the charisma of David Nelms or any other person. It's not just through um, a, a human God, but this is, this is your work. You're just using them as a vessel. And so, God, we give you all the glory. We thank you so much for what you're doing. And, we, God, we ask for more. We're going to be able to just ask that you just continue to make your name great in every country on this planet, Lord. We thank you so much for allowing Twin Oaks to be a part of that. Lord, we love you. We offer this to you. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.